Hey everybody, Cable Smith, welcome in each and every one of you into episode 84 of Justified Pursuit. I hope that y'all are in a better mood than the good counselor, Chisholm Cook, who I think must be, it must be that time of the month for him because really pissy in the pre-show meeting, uh, but great to see you, Chisholm. <laughs> um, fair, fair. I'm not going to even challenge uh, nor comment, although I certainly have commentary I could offer to that. Uh, I will note that I got back from California yesterday, where I was for three days. Uh, so, you know, anybody of our sensibilities that has to spend three days out there, I think would come back. And uh, I should be just excited to be home, but yeah, uh, there's takes a little bit to wash the the leftist rage off. Although, again, I was in Bakersfield for part of that, and there aren't very many leftists in Bakersfield. There's just a whole lot of dust. Mm. It's real dry out there. The air quality sucks. Like, bad. Like, I drove from the Bay Area all the way to Bakersfield, which is a solid three and a half hours because we left at 6 a.m. and were able to avoid traffic. And... The San Francisco Bay Area air quality is pretty bad. Although what looks like smog might have just been fog, because I did hear that they were, it, you know, it was foggy for this time of year, but it's like yellow. So it's got to at least be smog enhanced fog, because our fog's never yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into the San Joaquin Valley and drive, you know, two thirds of the way down it, and it is just dust. In the air everywhere sounds terrible i don't ever want to go there again it feels like you know i didn't come across anything in three days out there that so like when i go out to when i say i'm in the bay area i'm in the martinez walnut creek concord area which you know you go you fly into san francisco or oakland and you go north a sounds bit. super gay let me just put that out there it's way more similar to home than you might think because it's all like it's particularly Martinez has got a bunch of refineries. Mm. So it's a bunch of refinery workers, right? It feels it's got a very similar vibe culturally to Corpus Christi, just with sort of sounds like a a much gayer version of Houston. Maybe I'm trying to tell you like none of that. Mm. Like it doesn't feel when you're there, like I've been to this, we didn't go this time, but I've been to this diner that's, you know, within, five minutes or so of the refinery where we have this project at and there, there's no San Francisco sensibilities in that joint. I can tell you mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> driving through the San Joaquin Valley, you see about every, like instead of mile markers, they have uh, they have these signs demanding that the politicians stop robbing the fertile valleys of the water they need to grow crops because what's going on in California right now, which is all, has been the case since the 70s, they don't have enough water infrastructure for the growth of their population. Well, and luckily for them, their population is trending. trending the up, yeah, luckily for everybody. Um, 
but the, well, the no, coastal not, not lucky for for us lucky for them not for anyone else that's sending those people here and maintain the belief that they're sending the right folks this way <laughs> I maintain uh, but... the fact that i think you're high every time you say that but but I'm I not. Digress. <laughs> uh, oh, this is going to be a great show. I'm going to defeat you so easily today. You're in give up mode five, in, five minutes into the thing. It's great. The coastal elites want the water to flow down to the coast to make sure that the smelt and other tiny fish species in the estuaries uh, have the right level of salinity. Uh, and they also want to irrigate their, you know, their green yards. And so the signs will say like, water grows your food uh, or, you know, damn water supports farmers. One sign said, make California great again. So uh, it's, a, it's a very divided, the state, that state is divided as uh, brightly as our nation seems to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just overwhelmed numerically, allegedly. So- so those people probably would take issue with Gavin Newsom's tweet that he put out yesterday. What was that? Uh, let me let me read it for you. It was pretty awesome. I bet it was really intelligent and well reasoned. Yeah. So this Lots is on his Governor Newsom's official Twitter. Should just say douchebags Twitter, but instead it says Gavin Newsom. Uh, but it says just signed our budget. California will now be the first state in the nation to achieve universal access to health care. This is what being pro-life actually looks like. So it, there's your socialism, uh, socialism PSA for the week. It is official. But I mean, well, not surprising to ever, California. Since, ever since the Democrats retook the government, federal government, they've been given so much federal funding that they have a budget surplus for the first time in decades. So I guess they have the money for it. Finally. Mm. Good for them. There you go. Socialism, California. So there is a direct straight line from, you know, uh, red state tax dollars to abortion funding. Of course, the feds themselves are going to figure out how to do it with uh, paying to transport people over state lines and all the other stuff they're coming up with. Yeah, I was listening to the latest uh, No Agenda the other day. Good. And Dvorak was, he made a great point. He's like, everyone's acting like suddenly everything just changed. But the people right. that are protesting and taking to the streets live in cities where they still have the right to have an abortion. Nothing changed in Seattle. On demand. Nothing That's changed it. in Portland where you, where you can club a, you know, a uh, full term baby. Once it's out of the That's what he said. Club them yeah. like a baby seal. That's what he said. Yeah. It was dark and twisted, but also you couldn't help but chuckle at it. Yeah. Um, so so nothing's really changed. Have there been, have, have there been protests? Have there been wild leftist protests up in your neck of the woods? No. There haven't been, even in Dallas. I, I'm I mean, sure no. there have been some, but I, I mean I haven't seen any I don't watch the local news because it's just depressing and, you know, some well, depressing, depressing, it... depressing. Here's the, oh, here's the fire department saving a cat out of a tree. Depressing, depressing, depressing. Oh, look, here's a, a squirrel on water skis. Depressing, depressing, depressing. None of it's, I, I can't stand it. I don't watch the local news. So I don't know if they're burning down downtown Dallas or not. 
I haven't heard it, heard about it or seen it. So I would assume surely if they were, you would be hearing about it. I would imagine. I mean, just through osmosis and to your point, like I'm not, you know, somehow I'm hearing about LA having riots and, you know, a cop getting hit with a flamethrower that happened. A dude brought a flamethrower to a protest and shot it at a police officer. And as you point out, Seattle and Portland and New York, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not hearing anything about Austin or Dallas or Houston or San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And since we live here, you'd think that if those were happening, we'd know about it. My right. guess is there are some small, actually peaceful protests, not mostly peaceful protests, but actually mm-hmm. peaceful protests. But they're small and they're not particularly disruptive because they're not getting any notoriety. You would think that if there was a big time wild leftist scene somewhere in Texas, that the media would be all over it, pointing out, look how angry these Texans are, all 15 mm-hmm. of them about what's happening. Oh, here. sure. It would be all over CNN. It would have to be. Yeah. So to Dvorak's point, it seems, and your point, the only people that are uh, willing to literally burn stuff down over this are people who aren't seeing a change in anything, which is hysterical. Right. Um, let me give you some positive. It goes, it, it goes right to the heart Hold on. Of, uh, of the point that we keep trying to make about leftism, which is they aren't a live and let live culture. <laughs> California, like we don't care what California does. Y'all want to turn yourselves into a combination of Sodom and Gomorrah and the Tower of Babel? too late go ahead right we don't care we feel for the poor babies that you're willing to tear limb for limb but we're not trying to stop you from doing that Mm -hmm. but we're going to run our state a certain way and they cannot reciprocate that they can't stand the fact that we don't have a state income tax they can't stand the fact that we're a pro-business state they can't stand the fact that we still have you know a judeo-christian set of values in the state they can't stand the fact that women in this state you know can no longer just go again, tear a fetus limb from limb. So they want to impose their will on us, which is, I guess, I mean, there's only two excuses for people in LA to be rioting right now. They're either completely ignorant to the actual outcome of the Dobbs decision, which for sure, at least half of them are. Thank you, media and government for not having educated us better over the last 50 years as a society. Or I've heard people saying this. I've heard ranting psycho leftists saying, I know this hasn't changed anything in my state, but what about those poor people in these red in these red states that da 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 da? And it's like, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. It's not your job to tell us what to do and what kind of morals and ethics to uphold. Yeah. Anyway. Um here's some positive news for you. We got our first ever value for value, um, which is if people with some no agenda, and we're, I don't want to rip them off, and we're not going to call our our people don't. producers or anything else. We'll figure out another another term for them. They but, like uh, they, okay value for value. We can use though because right. they promote that model for others to use. But you're Absolutely. right. We're not gonna, yeah, but we'll come uh, if another, we yeah. we'll come up with another name. They call them producers. We're just going to say our first contributor. We'll come up with a better name than that. But uh, it's from uh, John. I asked him if I could read the letter on the air. He said, sure. Um, But we're not going to give out his last name. Anyway, it says, howdy, guys. I've enjoyed the show for a while, and I really appreciate um, 
what y'all do and presenting what's occurring in the world. It has been a little while since I first messaged, so sorry, but I just got ar- around to sending this. Uh, here are a couple gift cards for barbecue. I believe there are Rudy's locations up in your neck of the woods, Cable, and one for uh, Bill Miller's barbecue um, for Chisholm because there's locations closer to him. So please keep up the great work. And he sent $100 gift card, barbecue gift cards yeah. to each of us. So thank you, uh, John. Very kind of you. We appreciate it immensely. So Absolutely. there you go. Thanks, John. So that was the guy who originally reached out about that, right? Yeah. Who said we, we should implement a no agenda style value for value thing. Uh-huh. So I'm going to get on. It has been on my list for a Can month you get two. a new microphone first, though? <laughs> Your yeah. audio. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Uh, um, what is it? What's the other no agenda guy? Why can't I think of Adam Curry? Oh, would Curry, he would Curry listen would to this be, and be like, "What?" Oh. His head would explode. <laughs> yeah, he would not have any patience. <laughs> no, I can't hear you now. Just go back to what you're doing. He would have had issues with it beforehand. Yeah. Um, because he's such an audiophile. But he can you hear me better now? Yeah. Okay. For some reason my Bose headphone decided to turn on all of a sudden and connect. So, so anyway, cool. He, um, he's going to get a proper microphone in the next week right. or so. So thanks for struggling. It's funny because he audio. had mocked, he, he had mocked once the, the blue, uh, it's called a Yeti blue that I had, which once I figured out to keep, you know, what distance I needed to be from it, I thought it sounded great, but he mocks them. Uh, if I haven't explained it yet, this, what is it? An eight, nine month old Bluetooth mic that I had. It, uh, you know, it, it, not Bluetooth, I'm sorry, USB mic, mm. you know, it has your typical USB cord. And so where it's got the, the wide rectangle in that plugs into your computer and then the sort of smaller kind of almost pyramidy, like a flat pyramid shape deal that goes into the mic. And it started having issues a couple months ago where if I touched that cord where it connected to the mic, it would glitch out. And then now it just doesn't connect at all. Uh, so let me tell you, dollar paperweight is what I bought. These are this is a Sennheiser microphone and headphones. This microphone is 15 years old, and these headphones. This is the second pair of these headphones that I've gone through in 15 years. But um, that's what. I but all of that, about. all of that connects into a board with like proper audio. Yeah, yeah, it's not cables, USB. right? So that that's and I think that in retrospect, when Curry was mocking, he mocks USB microphones in general. And my guess is the problem that I've had is because these things were out. Yeah, right. Where good legit mics with real audio cables plugged into a board, those things last forever, right? So, so I think that's the problem we had because I don't think it sounded that bad. No, it just sounds bad now. Uh, anyway. Right. Apologies. <laughs> uh, the Supreme maybe, maybe Court. Maybe I can sell my hundred dollar Bill Miller gift card and put that towards a new mic. But thank you, John. Either yes. way, it's value for value, and it's much appreciated. Uh, oh, my my girls are going to freak out because they're Fr- Frankie, especially. She loves ribs, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take her up to Rudy's and let her eat ribs till she's blue in the face with pure joy. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the Supreme Court still on a roll this week, man. Holy moly. And we've got prayer now uh, is once again okay in public schools. Although, Ilan Omar, she tweeted out this, Jim. 
The Supreme Court just ruled that public school teachers can pressure students to join in prayer at public school events, but can also <sighs> retaliate against those who don't join in. <laughs> How do they just get away with putting out lies? Akadoki, yes, just complete BS. Uh, dude, it's <laughs> it's, not it's because incredible. It's not, a, it's not a two-way street, dude. That's the problem. Like, not that we want to lie. I don't. I, I want that. We're truth seekers. That's why we do this show. Yeah, I, I. It's the most frustrating aspect of society right now, and boy, are there a lot of them that they can boldly, deliberately, and like. You know, historically, politicians would shade the truth. Mm-hmm. They would, they would, you know, it's funny, you know, because there's, there's, there's now three classifications of bad information, right? There's misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Which I like right? to call mal, mal information. Remember the first time when I was like, I think, what is, I said, what is Mao information? Is that like a, like Chinese indoctrination information? Yeah. Like it's communist. Right. For sure. No, no. M-A-L like bad right. Mao right, information. Right. Um, one of them is like, you know, a, a lie. One of them is like true, but slanted. And one of them is like true, but so slanted that it's deliberately, I don't know. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's Orwellian newspeak that they would come up with three different ways to describe a lie, especially since uh, all of them are typically labeled on information that is by and large just true. You know, but what didn't but happen, like though, it. is the fact checkers didn't come out. And that's what I'm saying is there's no accountability. <laughs> right. It, it, what I was getting at is it used to be that you could bend the truth, twist the truth, slant the truth, you know, hide the truth. Maybe a politician would lie about their record. Like, I never voted for that. And I was like, well, but this is this voter roll from, mm-hmm. you know, 2003 where it uh, says you did. Where so, Joe Biden said it, he was know, pro-life. Right. <clears throat> Perfect example. Um, but, but now they can just make things up. So I haven't actually read that case. I would have liked to before this. It's definitely one of the things I, I want to try to cover, but. I'm familiar enough with the case that I'm... It's a high school football coach, I believe. Right. A high school football coach up in Oregon. I'm I'm 99% sure that that opinion did not say that you're free to recruit kids to pray. And it most certainly did not say you can punish them if you don't. Like, that's that's absurd. What was happening was this man started taking a knee after football games... On the 50-yard line. After, not during the national anthem. That's right. After games, <laughs> the game is over. People are leaving, right? And he would go out and take a knee. And eventually, after I don't even know how many games, but eventually some of his members of his team joined him. And I remember, like, when I was in high school, it was not a thing. Like, people did routinely, both teams would meet. I think you still see it in college games all the time, right, where mm-hmm. – There'll be a group of both from both teams, coaches and players. Do you see it? Believe it or not, there's still NFL players that do this. There's a right. small group of them. Yeah. Yep. That's a really common thing for guys to get together and, and just pray together, probably praying, hey, thanks for not letting any of us blood an ACL or take a concussion today. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he started having his own players joining him. And then the school, well, 
then other players from other teams started to join him. At no point, he claimed, you know, he says, and, and his court record would document this, the podcast I heard him on, his attorney was actually on with him. At no point did he ever recruit players to do this. At no point did the school really ever endorse it or acknowledge it. It was just a simple, you know, exactly what the First Amendment protects, an expression of his own, you know, free religion, free expression of his religion in a public space that others came and joined. And when it went sideways for him was when a coach for another team called up the principal or superintendent of the ISD and was like, hey, what your coach does is really cool. How are you all like, like, are you, you know, I, I don't even fully, I think he basically was asking like, how are y'all getting away with it? <laughs> but he wanted to do the same thing and wanted his, wanted to be able to participate in it when they played each other. And that got, you know, the sphincters of the school district puckered because all of a sudden it was brought to their attention that this coach is praying on in those games. And what it was was some leftist lawyers in Oregon that filed suit against him to make him stop. So Ilhan so, Omar so is, is why would not the, surprisingly. Why would the live and let live crowd do that? Chisholm, I don't understand. Because God forbid that you have a higher authority than their government that you look to for peace and guidance. Right. That's what this really ultimately is, dude. Wokeism and the government itself for the left is their God. They've abandoned God. So they've filled that hole in their spirit with the government and the ideals of wokeism and the two intertwine insofar as they have to force their woke bullshit down our throats vis-a-vis -vis the government. Excuse me. I swore. I'll put a dollar in the, swear, in the swear jar. Wasn't an F-bomb though. Seems to be the one we get the most complaints about. <clears throat> I don't think we've dropped an F-bomb in a minute, so that's good. It's been a while. I mean, I Who's said it do? earlier today when I was mowing the yard and ran over a sprinkler head, but... Well, I've definitely dropped some F-bombs, but not <laughs> on the show. It on the show. <laughs> uh, actually, I was weed-eating. Henry was mowing the yard. So, what a boy. Uh, he gets $5 for mowing the yard, and the kid, dude, he does not spend his money. He's He's got like $800, which for a nine-year-old kid, I don't know. He saved everything. The only thing he's ever had to buy is he destroyed his bike, and, and it was his fault. And uh, I was like, I'm not buying you a new bike, dude. You can, and he cried and cried because he had to spend. I was like, fine, I'll, if you pay a hundred, I'll pay the other fifty. But he had to spend his own money. It was su such a traumatic experience for him. That's the only time he's ever <laughs> spent his money. So uh, that will serve you, him well. You told me about your work week. Here's what here's what I did this week for work. Uh, Kubota hired me to come and test out their new. Uh, side-by-sides ATVs the sidekicks and cool. uh one of my childhood friends has wor been working for, with them for like working for Kubota for like a year and a half and uh, he was like hey I'd like you know because of your influence in the outdoor industry it'd be great if you could come and they're I didn't even realize they're filming a national commercial for uh like college football and it's not just the the uh ATVs it's also you know tractors zero turn mowers stuff yeah. like that lifestyle um but he, he was like, you, basically, you're going to get to come out. We're going to film you just tearing up the, the earth with these things. And so we went Sweet. to the Brazos River outside of Mineral Wells, this beautiful property. And the riverbanks all just shale and rocks. And they're like, okay, now we want you to do. And they're like, they're not going to use this in the video because they don't want to see like peeling out and rocks flying. But if we send it to them, 
because it's so risque, then they'll let us use something else that's kind of not, you know, that we think that maybe they won't want to use, but we'll send them this first. And they'll be like, no way. So then we'll come back with something not. So anyway, they're like, we want you to fly around this corner and turn it 90 degrees as fast as you can, as hard as you can. Make as many rocks fly as you can. Uh, then later on, they had me drive it through the river and soak this $50,000 camera. Oops. This, this crew, <laughs> dude, they film commercials for Chevy. They're, they, they so we're, it's weird because we're filming for Kubota, but they were driving behind me in a Can-Am with a, uh, a, a crane arm with the camera on it half the time. And like that, there's four guys in the thing. Each one of them are doing a different job. I think I said, is this pretty much the industry standard now? Cause they didn't teach me this when I went to radio TV film school and they're like, yeah, this is what the new James Bond film was filmed with. Like this is the technology, but anyway, all that aside. So Todd was like, if you bring Henry and you guys do, we'll do one day of fishing and you just tearing up the riverbed with this thing. And then we'll do a morning shoot of hunting father and son. If you bring Henry, on top of what we're paying you, we'll pay him $250. And I told him, I said, dude, do you want all? I said, I'll ask Henry. He said, dad, would you do it? I was like, well, yeah, you'd have to mow the yard. How many times to come play with us? He's like, (laughs) I would have to mow the yard 50 times to make $250. Yeah, I'll go. (laughs) So he got to good Good map. (laughs) Here's the coolest thing. So I took like a pop-up blind and my dear decoy and gun cases with rifles in them. I think they did a whole setup of unloading the new uh, ATV, this father-son stuff. A freaking deer comes out of the woods and walks up to my deer decoy. Nice. And in the middle of the summer. And the, oh, the, the director just started laughing because we're all 20 feet from the deer. And she just can't figure right. out. And then he was like, well, I'm leaving. This is the best commercial ever. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but this is the first time that our, our decoy has swung the other way, but it's 2022 and you know, she's a working girl. Anything goes. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, so that it's was my work week. This time of year. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a blast, dude. That was cool. Was fun. Beautiful, beautiful place too. Um, anyway. Yeah. 250 bucks for a nine-year-old kid in basically a morning's work. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good work if you can get it for sure. Right, that's cool. Um, um you know, if they want to trial some more uh, Kubotas. I've certainly got a place they could park one. Mm, we could yeah. put it through some paces. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to play that angle too. See if I can uh, weasel my way into a a new Kubota. Yeah. They're like, we don't really pay our influencers cash except for Martha Stewart and Blake Shelton. I was like, so what do you pay them with? And he was like. Kubotas. I was like, sold. Where do I sign? Done. Up? Works. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about the Freudian slip? Uh, I'm thinking now these are not these aren't Freudian slips, dude. They're doing it on purpose. They're just they're saying, hey, this is this is what we're doing, and we're we're not really afraid to say it anymore. But uh, it was on CNN yesterday. And I think maybe it was in reference to something Biden said at the NATO summit, but uh, the White House reporters on CNN, and this is what he had to say. I'm going to play it for you. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. What we heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. Screw you, Americans. We don't care what you're paying at the pump. This is about the future of the liberal world order. 
He was yeah, pretty was, articulate there, dude. That wasn't a Freudian was slip a, at all. No, that was not a Freudian slip. That was not a Freudian slip at all. Uh, there are examples. We played Biden saying the new, new world order and Bush, H.W. Bush wants to use the term new world order. That wasn't that was a little different. It was the quote liberal world order, but it's the same thing, uh, although there's nothing liberal about it. Yeah, it wasn't a Freudian slip, dude. He said exactly what he meant. The NATO Western suddenly communist world order is what he's talking about, which is funny because. It's technically adversarial to the actual communists of Russia and China and Venezuela and the authoritarians of Iran. And, you know, which starts to really, you know, we say it all the time, but feel pretty effing Orwellian. It's like, wait a minute, where's the, what's the actual difference here? <laughs> what is the difference between all the commies that make up NATO and all the commies that make up anti NATO? Uh, Seems like it's just conflict for the sake of uh, division and war profiteering. But yeah, it's, no, yeah. So I don't know. Now, I don't know. They don't, like, it's, they, they don't, it's, they're it's not trying to man. hide it anymore. Here's they're the amazing to thing to me. It, I was thinking when I was when I was weed eating. I was thinking like, what do I want to say about this on the show today? And uh, I think the thing that bothers me the most is that the people that still vote that way don't understand what's happening. They don't, they don't get it. Like, no, what, that's okay. The, that what's happening to them? The global elites are now saying, yes, we are going to make you peasants forever and reign over you in perpetuity. That's what the new world order is. Um, and there's 80 something million Americans out there last election. Anyway, that voted that way. Now, I don't think a lot of them are going, there's going to be a little bit of switcheroo. Some of them are going to come to the right. Some of them have been red pilled, but the vast majority of them haven't. And here these people are saying, they're saying it out loud. We're going to oppress you forever. We're, that's our goal. And we are trying to do it. And we're telling you that we're trying to do it. And guess what? They know people are too stupid they're still going to vote for them. That's the key. The last part, sorry, is the key. Um, they they know bah. that through the through the yeah through the indoctrination campaigns that begin now in kindergarten. Well, I've got a great that, clip for that. <laughs> yeah, that they groom cool. They groom kids in America for anywhere from thirteen to you know, upwards of 17, 18, 19 years if they go on to college, which most, you know, truthfully, I don't know if most, but lots do. Uh, they groom them to a certain understanding of the world. And then, uh, God willing, sometime in their late 20s and early 30s, they start to pay attention. And, but, but then you, then it takes, you know, I've talked, said many times, you don't get red pilled overnight. Like you, when you have that strong of an indoctrination program, it takes a lot of chipping away to undermine it and replace it with free thinking. And the reality is I'm having to really come to grips with the fact that I'm, I guess there's just a lot of people that aren't capable of it. Um, you know, the left 
is notorious for uh, broadly speaking, this like blank slate theory. Um, they don't like like IQ tests. Those are racist. They're sexist. Oh, they're, that's why kids now don't even have to pass like certain bigoted levels of of uh, competence in grade school. Right. They just they, pass they them to the next right. grade. So that's right. They don't. They don't like. They don't like uh, achievement tests. They don't like anything that would separate people out by aptitude, because in their opinion, there's no such thing. A person's native intelligence, their grasp of mathematics, their knowledge, their gender, their sexual orientation, all of it is based on a societal construct. So you're either privileged and therefore have all the benefits of being privileged or you're oppressed and have all the negatives of being oppressed. And if you were to take somebody from the oppressed class uh, and just put them over into the privileged class as babies, and they'd end up with the, you know all the same skills and abilities uh, that their privileged counterparts have. And there are certainly bright, capable people in the oppressed class, quote unquote, that uh, are at a disadvantage because of where they start. There's no doubt, and they do have the aptitude. But the and then, and then it's certainly true that there are people in the privileged class that are dumb as boxes of rocks. Let me look at Hunter Biden. That's the first one on my tip of my brain. Mm-hmm. But Joe says he's the smartest guy he knows. Um, which in Joe's circles, maybe that's true. Well, Joe does have <clears> dementia. The, there's that too. But so what I'm getting at is like, I, I when it comes to the ability to figure out what's going on, I'm not, I'm, I've never been, I think there are different types of intelligence, right? And just because you're a a mathematician or really good at chemistry or really skilled at language and can read and write and learn a foreign language fairly easily, none of that necessarily means you know how to tear apart a, you know, 350 small block and rebuild it and put it back together, right? There's different Mm -hmm. types of intelligence, right? Um, obviously mathematicians may, may have zero like interpersonal skills that tends to fall out that way. Right. Like they're not emotionally intelligent. Um, and I've always struggled a little bit with the idea that some people are just dumb, but some people, but, but I've always known some people are just not natively intelligent, right? Like naturally intelligent. And when it comes to this, I guess I've always had this utopian, almost bleeding heart belief that everybody can wake up and question narratives, question authority, have the vision and the wherewithal and the free thinking, the aptitude for free thinking that they can see something that doesn't look or smell right and be like, well, that's crap. Mm-hmm. Um but then I get exposed to this concept, which I think we've talked about, of the NPCs in the world, the non-player characters, right? Non-player characters in video games are like the ones that you interact with in like a role-playing game that are the computer. Mm-hmm. We used to call them playing against the computer, right? Yeah. Well, it's a non-player character is basically like the algorithm, the bot within the computer that you interact with, and it has maybe a thousand different ways that it can answer you. But at the end of the day, it's programmed for certain responses to certain stimulus, right? And it can't go outside of its programming. And so there's lots of people in the new right that talk about how there are lots of NPCs among us. There's memes all over the internet. They typically are that 
weird sort of sketch figure guy, you know, that's like, I support the current thing. Mm, yeah. And up until very recently, I always had hope that the NPCs could wake up. But, and I think a lot of them can. I was, as I've detailed extensively on this show, snowed by my programming up until my early to mid thirties. And then all of a sudden certain things started to it really took time, man. Like my first year when I was working for the Texas commission on environmental quality as an attorney for the state of Texas, I was a very liberal, probably progressive person from a voting standpoint, from a belief standpoint, and then quickly realized you know, government work is everything that the conservatives say it is. There's no profit motivation around here. Everybody's lazy as hell. Have I talked about on our show how the day I got hired, I was told I had until five o'clock to accept the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember if you've said it on the show, but you have told it, told me that story. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can sum it up. But in Texas, at the time anyway, there was this law in the books that said that if an agency didn't replace a position within 120 days, so four months, then they lost that funding. And it makes a lot of sense, right? It's a good old conservative law because like, hey, if you don't need the help bad enough to get your butt in gear and hire somebody within four months, then you don't need the person. You don't need the position. So we'll just put that money back in the coffers. So I get offered a job with the TCQ after graduating law school and getting my bar license. And the guy who offers it to me, who had been there his entire career, 15 probably years at that point, and my guess is probably still is, uh, he offers me the job, and we're living down in the Corpus Christi area at the time, and five months pregnant with our first kid, and would have to move to Austin, away from both my parents and my in-laws, and Ashley was rightfully pretty nervous about that prospect, so I was like, can you give me till tomorrow morning, let me discuss it with my wife, make sure she's on board, and he was like, no. If you don't get me an answer by five, I'm going to go on to the next person on the list. And I was like, whoa, like, who does that? Like, who ever, like any other hiring situation you could imagine, the person you'd be working with absolutely be like, yeah, we want to make sure this is right for y'all. It's right for us, you know, Mm -hmm. and presumably you're being offered the job because you're the best guy for the job or girl for the job. No, no, no. That's, that's not equity. So I go, right. So I go to work there and within the first month I learn about this Long I'm assuming since sweeps. you're a white male, you are probably the best candidate for the job. Uh, that sounded really racist. I didn't mean it like that. Sure I'm just did. saying like, because that's the, the only way that a white man now can get the job is if he really is the best candidate. Right. So otherwise, I think things know, weren't quite as woke in uh, 2008 as they are now. Otherwise, yeah. that's how well, you get point, Katanji point Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, they, they did say it. So, yeah. Uh, I hope, hope you all that, understand I mean, that. I didn't, say that. I didn't mean that from a racist. I, I, I know what you meant now. Racist. Right, right. It is true that white males are facing uphill battles in these regards, uh, yeah. but I guess we've earned it and deserve it anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> regardless of how decent humans we've tried to beat throughout our lives. Yeah. So the point is, I quickly realized, oh, government work is exactly what everybody says that, or all the right says that it is. And but then, you know, it still took five more years of work experience and having kids and paying attention to the news and sort of seeing what the Obama administration wrought, even after I voted for him. And then finally, when I started listening to Ben Shapiro, and I was like, damn, 
is this guy wrong about anything? And there were a few things where I was like, yeah, I don't know if I totally agree. And to this day, there's some things I think Ben is, you know, overboard on, I guess. My point is, I woke up. My hope would be that, but, but, but you have, but I had to do so. I had to break free of the, of the narrative and find these alternative narratives, right? You had to go find better information. And, it, mm. and so once I started doing so, it all made way more sense, right? And then once you really went, for me, I went full bore into understanding the philosophies of leftism versus the philosophies of, of you know, the, the, the men and women who, you know, r- literally wrote the documents that led to the Declaration of Independence in the United States Constitution, right? And now I understand it on such a deep level that we do this show and talk about these things, but what I've come to grips with is that there really is such a thing, I think, as NPCs. There are people out there who will wake up and they are waking up as we speak. Thank God our Hispanic, Mexican-American, Latino, Latina, not Latinx brothers and sisters are probably first and foremost among them. Thank God African-American men in particular are waking up and realizing that the best thing for the black community is to stop letting leftists control everything that they they think and to stop aborting generations of black kids. Um, but, you know, there's just a, there's a segment of the population. And I have no idea how big it is I, that I, I kind of am starting to come to grips with. I don't know that they can wake up. And I was having a conversation with a guy at our men's retreat back in February who is one of the smartest human beings I've ever spent any time with. Um, incredibly brilliant. The guy had done IT security work. He's a tech, he's a, he's a software engineer originally, and now he's an attorney. And now he does IT security, legal consult, legal work. So he's really for, smart. We get it. But here's the problem with him. No, 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 no. And, and he's Catholic. Well, he goes to our church now, but he's was raised in, you know, went through catechism, like very devout Catholic, right? And he has a very uh, fundamental, I guess, take on the Bible. And we got into this concept of NPCs and he made the point, he's like, God is infinite. God made all creatures great and small. God made the universe. Presumably God made parallel dimensions and multiverse and everything else. Why do we assume that he didn't make human beings, some of whom are just designed to be NPCs? I was like, crap. I don't know why I just assumed that. Because if you really break it down biblically, it's abundantly clear that there will always be a certain amount of chaos balanced against the order. There will always be a certain amount of darkness balanced against the light, right? Mm -hmm. So... He didn't really set it up. In fact, I don't remember what passage. What passage is it that mentions that he chooses the one of the 99 or whatever? I don't remember the passage. You know what I'm talking about, though? I know, I know right? what you're talking like, about. Yeah, he, right. he, he makes it clear throughout the book that, that believers and, and people of the light will always be in the minority, which seems to indicate that there will always be a percentage of those that aren't people of God that aren't capable of becoming people of God. Uh, and there very well may be scripture that counteracts that. Uh, so by all means, flood me with uh, your feedback. Uh, 
if I'm if I'm way off base there. But that was this guy's take. It was like it's entirely possible that God made a certain percentage of the population just not capable of buying anything but the lies that the left and therefore the devil are telling them. That was a long way to go to say NPCs are real. Uh, it made me think of something. Your evolution to get from a self-described Obama, Obama voting liberal to where you are today. And the first time I ever heard the name Ben Shapiro was on our inaugural annual turkey hunt and not the place where we go now that's just like the best turkey hunting in the world but that place we went outside of Rock Springs. Uh, mountain home well maybe it was the second one then but we were sitting on the ground uh, like a little water hole with a jake decoy out oh uh, that place yeah tell me and, that you're listening yeah. to this ben shapiro guy and i had always just voted conservative because i'm and that's just how it was raised and I value my Christian faith and I value guns and to a fault, like my sister would say, because we got into a big discussion about that uh, this past weekend, like that there is my sister, like, like I've said, one of the smartest people I know, uh, but we, we disagree on a lot of stuff. And she said, there has to be a gray area. You always go back to guns is black and white. And I'm just like, well, for me, it is like, I, but, she, but she's like, but, but it's not for everyone. And, and she listens to the podcast, I guess, more often than I would have thought. And she's like, you know, y'all's take on some things um, like it's other people say that, you know, like abortion is black and white. But for y'all, there's a gray area. Um, for, for a lot of Christians, there's no gray area at all. For me, I just don't care. Like, I, it's, that's what I've always said. Like, I, do I, is it for me? No. Do I? Am I going to prevent you from doing it? No. Do I think it's grotesque? Yes. Um, but I don't care what you do. Just like I don't care if you're a woman and you marry another woman. It doesn't matter to me. But but my, I guess, it wasn't an awakening because I've always voted this way. I've always had these beliefs. But when I really started paying attention to these things is when I started having kids. Right. When you, there's two, I think there's two times when you really have opportunity to start paying attention to these things. It's when you get, when you're actually... Into, you into get your work. first pay stub and you right. see how much money the government took from you. That's the that first. Wakes, that wakes a lot of liber young liberals up. And then the second is when you start having kids. How do I, what do I want these kids taught? Right. Fundamental values. And uh, I think those are the two big moments in time where you have that potential to, to wake up if yeah. you're going to. But, but going back to that, uh, that discussion with you, that was about the time I started having kids. Maybe Henry was a year too old. I don't know. Um, that was a long time ago. But that's when I started really paying attention every day to what's going on in the world. And, uh, yeah. Oh, it, for me, too. Like, it just so happens that that first year that I worked at the TCEQ was the year Riley was born. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I could say that the, that the red pill moment of figuring out that the government was super wasteful that I had gotten hired. Cause I, to wrap that up, I walked in and had no work to do for months because everything <laughs> after 119 days, all the work had been distributed to the rest of the staff and they didn't even have enough to do to fill eight hours a day. Right. And then I learned about this sweep things and I was like, Oh, the government is super wasteful. 
Uh, and you know, there's no profit motive here. So there's no efficiency here and there's no, you know, drive to be such that could seem to be in a vacuum, but to your point, simultaneously, I got reconnected to my Christian, uh, conservative belief system and knew I needed to imprint that into my kids. So I don't think that it's like totally just two parallel tracks. They were like overlapping tracks that I was on that were kind of informing one another simultaneously, you know, um, to your point, it just gets you thinking differently. I want to say something about your sister's take on the guns. Um, I appreciate the fact that she recognizes our nuance. I remember when we first started and you asked her to listen to some of our stuff and she gave us some pretty cool feedback, mm-hmm. um, fairer, you know, uh, op- open-minded feedback, um, especially for given that she has a very strong position sort of, I think. It, she didn't even say she, that my position was wrong about the guns because I was, well, I said, do you want to be Australia? You want to be Canada? You want to turn into, I said, these are, this is what happens. She goes, but it's not that simple. And not everyone believes that. I'm like, I, I, I know not everyone believes that, but she's like, but there are just like you believe hundred percent that the second amendment is infallible. Like there are people that think the woman's right to abortion is infallible or, you know, name. We, we see that clearly. Right. We just, we just disagree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, see, and here's the difference between those two things, right? She's still not willing. It doesn't sound like, well, maybe she is herself personally, but the people who have a black and white pro-abortion position are not willing to acknowledge the sacrifice of another living being through that conscious decision to abort, right? Mm -hmm. And they might come back and say, well, your desire for everybody to have a bunch of guns is not you know, is not acknowledging the externalities that people die from. Not true. Right. We are uh, for, for sure aware that certain people, that there will be people who die from bad actors with firearms. Um, but then, you know, you and I are familiar with the statistics and I'd be interested to know how well she is. If she listens to us. She has to have some awareness of them and it doesn't sound I, like I, I do want to say thanks against- to her because I'm not, I'm not trying to go down a place where my family gets mad at me again but i don't <laughs> yeah, I, she's I don't not going to care because this isn't a personal thing like right but i do want to say this thanks to her because she made me think about some of the things that i believe that are just like yeah there's no way that it's black and white but she's like on the other side of the spectrum people believe the same thing and you know sometimes i think i maybe get caught up in the 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 idea that I just assume they're just wrong. So I don't see how it could be so black and white. If you're just wrong, maybe that's, yeah. maybe I need to be more open-minded, you know, and I, and I am on, on most social issues. Like I just said, I'm, we're both, uh, I, I would say libertarians. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. it made me think. And so no, anyway, again, it's thanks, good thanks feedback. I actually got it from my friend, Jeff in Oklahoma. Uh, when we first started, he, and you know, he generally, I think agrees with us on just about everything. Yeah. Um, but he, he said one time, he's like, I do have a question. How are you also convinced that you're right? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know yeah. that I am. I, well, and I, but you know, I, maybe at times we sound like it, but that's the nature of having conversations is like when presented with a point like that, I think we both would take it into account like we're doing right now. But I, I do still feel like pointing out, not directed at your sister necessarily, just generally, right? Yeah. That 
that abortion definitely involves this third party life. And my take on it has always been, and this is Joe Rogan's take, it was my take before I heard him say it, I just agree with him, that it's not for me, and I certainly don't want it to be something my kids think is okay to just do flippantly, right? Um, And I do think that, you know, I'll say, I think our Texas law that will take effect next month, well, this month actually now, that will ban it outright 100% no matter what, is probably draconian. My wife told me the other day that ectopic uh, pregnancies, you can't even get an abortion for that now after next month. Right. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what she told me. I don't either. That doesn't an ectopic pregnancy present a health risk for the woman potentially uh i think so yeah we're not doctors yeah. but but that's to where me, it's like that stuck would in a fallopian tube make right? so it can like that would yeah. m- to me mean yeah that's draconian like right and then there's people yeah, like it, our friend mickey who's been on the show who doesn't care like no it's a life it's right. you know and it's it's black and white um and so so my take is as far as the, the law and what the government can say we can or can't do, making some level of accommodation for people who have a serious... A, one problem with the, the health of the woman issue that I think uh, certainly like the left-leaning states have run with is wh- where do you draw that line? Do you spell out every single potentially fatal complication and limit it to that? Or could you say like her mental health is an excuse to abort a baby, mm-hmm. particularly abort a seven or eight or nine month pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Because I know in New York, that's broadly, it's so broadly written that it would allow for that. If a woman's having a panic attack because she's eight months pregnant and has decided maybe she lost her job or her you know, baby daddy split or, or whatever and doesn't have the funds. And it's like, so I got to get rid of this thing. Should that be allowed under the clause of mental health versus this is a very serious situation in that type of presidency, right? My point being, my point being, even if it's not right for us, our families, our daughters, in our personal belief systems, because it is a human life to Mickey's point, um, as small government libertarians, I want to see the government limited in how intrusive they can be in this while also balancing as all three cases, Roe, Casey and Dobbs acknowledged there is a third party life involved. So the state has some, not only, you know, interest, but duty to protect that life at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. That being said, if I'm forced to choose between the way that Colorado and New York and California and Illinois and Oregon handle the matter, which is it's not a baby till it's out in the world breathing. And even when that happens, if I tried to abort it and the abortion got a botch, I can make it comfortable until we talk to the mother and decide what to do about it, Governor, former Governor Ralph Northam, right? If it's that wild ass extreme of kill it till the day it's due versus what we're not now going to have in Texas, which is no abortions whatsoever, I've got to line up on that side, right? It's a, hmm. another human life protected. The gun thing, from my perspective, acknowledging full well that I'm not representing all of America, but that's the nature of a debate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's like I we can acknowledge that to your sister's point, lots and lots and lots of Americans don't hold this view. My, I, my sister we, got that, frustrated with me because I, she's like, it always goes back to the gun with you. I'm like, I, I, I know it does. And well, there's a revolution going on right now. Yeah. 
There's a legitimate like, revolution. She wanted to have on. a intellectual conversation with someone who kept going back to the gun thing. And I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. That's like, that's my hangup. That's my, I can't have this conversation because I look around at the rest of the world and I compare what we have in this country. I don't want to be any other country in the world. You know, and she's like, you know, and maybe she didn't actually say this, but some people would be like, well, we think Germany's great. We want to be like Germany or then move you know, there. whoever. Uh, right, she didn't say that. There. I'm just, but you know. Well, no, like, no, no, but uh, I know she didn't. But but she, what she's doing, from my understanding, is simply pointing out that most, of, maybe most of Americans, because I know Dan Crenshaw is among them, who thinks that some level of gun regulation. Apparently, he didn't vote for the red flag thing, by the way, mm. this most recent bill. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, just to correct the record from last week, he has voted for them in the I'm past. I'm more with Marjorie Taylor Greene. The point this. is. People who take a different opinion about it, I think almost invariably believe that taking people's guns away or regulating it such that it's hard to carry or, you know, or hard to have or that certain types of guns aren't allowed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right, are willing to give up a certain amount of liberty to the state, assuming the state has our best intentions at heart, will not abuse the authority that they're given right? And that we'll all be safer and happier for it. And your point that you make about Australia, especially in the last 24 months, is directly on point with that. I don't know if you phrase it this way when you talk to her, but the reality is, like we talked about in episode two, the whole concept of, of, of uninfringed right to keep and bear arms in this country comes down to liberty. Mm-hmm. As soon as we give that right up, we have lost the right to defend I, our liberty. I remember a really And therefore good, it is black and white to right. people like us who look around this country right now and realize I remember her pointing hardcore- out the fallacy in our belief that it's black and white. Now, okay, now this is making more sense as I'm replaying the conversation in my mind. She said, okay. do you think that citizens should have nuclear weapons? And I was like, well, no. And she goes, okay, well, then you understand that you're... No. Uh, that you're if the government point- can have nukes, why can't we? Okay. Well, if it, going back to like the, the all or nothing on abortion, we should have, it has to be one or the other, then I'm going to, yeah, dude. No, I have no reason to believe. But the problem with the nuke is if, what if a crazy person gets it? And then, then we're not talking about the same problem as an AR-15. We're talking about Dallas, Texas and a million people being affected. It's the same problem as an AR-15, right? Listen, it's a, that was why, ext- because I said, no, I don't think civilians should have nuclear weapons. She goes, okay, well, then there's extreme- a hole in your argument. No, but it's an ex- it's not a hole in the argument. It's a deliberately, she went to the furthest extreme edge of the position to make a point. Yeah, she did. Right? And, and she the reality well, is. Because then she caught me yeah. saying, no, I don't think people should the real- have nuclear the- weapons. The reality of nuclear war is that we've been at a stalemate since we dropped bombs on Japan globally when it comes to nuclear weapons because of mutually assured destruction, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm being somewhat facetious and cavalier when I said, you know, citizens should be able to own nukes because the truth is the likelihood of our, what we should be able to own is firepower that allows us to match the potential firepower of a tyrannical government. That's what I right? said. And okay. So to the point, the likelihood of our government turning nukes internally within the continental United States on American citizens to level a city 
seems pretty freaking low. Right. Right. Also, also yes. What I, what I so as it stands mentioned. currently, it's nations that have nukes to fire at each other. But the likelihood that they could send in some troops into, uh, you know, some peaceful, uh, well, like what they did to Waco. Right. Right. Anybody who's aware of what happened with the Branch Davidians, I'm not condoning David Koresh or anything that he was doing. But they went in there and they smoked those people under a whole bunch of false pretenses. Right. Over, they over what? Absolutely. did do that. The fact that they were simply there. Right. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what was the documentary or uh, movie that they made called, about it? I know, that, I know it was, an, it was like it. a Netflix or HBO series. It was really good. I think it was called Waco or something. I I think maybe so. Yeah. It was good, though. The, the, the main point is if you're and willing to. Douchebag Chipman was all in front and centers, like yeah. the one responsible for smoking them. If you're willing to concede that the actual Second Amendment is about the protection against tyranny, Which of the then we state. should have firepower that would match the potential firepower that the government could use against us. Mm-hmm. And so maybe to her point, I'd be willing to concede. Yeah, okay, it's probably not right, likely that they'll drop nukes on American cities. Probably not. Maybe we can leave it to the governments of the world to continue in that stalemate of mutually assured destruction. But if you strip us even of something as simple as an AR-15, now we're at a severe disadvantage mm-hmm. in the event that a wild authoritarian, you know, communist takeover could be thwarted by American citizens. The, the, and the fact that, that we have AR-15s, facing. I believe, to, to just piggyback on what you're saying, is why they will, why we still have them in check. Because if we all just had exactly. hunting rifles, okay, well... The, hey. It doesn't, no one's afraid of that. The amount of bloodshed, going back to what you said about would they drop a nuke on American citizens? No. And I don't think they want the amount of bloodshed. Could they smoke? Probably all of us, if we were in one place with drones and stuff that we don't have. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to do it. No. And, and to your and the, point, and they won't because the, we that, have so many guns. And that's the reason they want to take it. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with protecting lives got nothing to do with that because look at the crap that they do that has that they're funding they're funding gain of function research they're forcing dangerous vaccines into people's arms that are unproven they dude like i talked about the other day in operation northwoods just in the 1970s were willing to hijack an american airplane and crash it and blame it on the the cubans for an excuse to go to war they are absolutely willing to sacrifice american lives you know, at any time, oh, Uvalde. for whatever agenda. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, we we dove into that. Go there into this but, one, but you know, certainly seems fishy. As I'm, I'm just trying to point to things that the government has had to acknowledge, mm-hmm. right? They haven't had to acknowledge that one yet. But my point is, they don't have the average. They don't have you and I's and our families' personal, you know, safety, security, and liberty in at heart. They just don't. They don't, and they never have. They have control. That's what they want. And that goes for both sides, by and large. Politicians in this country want control. So by taking our guns away, they can force anything down their throats, which is why you use the examples of Australia and these other nations where they've given up their guns, and now they have concentration camps for people who haven't gotten vaccinated, right? Like, that, that's what it's all about. And to your point, as long as 60 plus or whatever the number is, percentage of American households are armed to the hilt, 
that's our version of mutually assured, assured destruction at a na national local level. And again, like I, I like to say, the, the fact that you want to take my guns is the exact reason that I need them. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Well, anyway, I want to say thanks to my sister for making me think. Um, yeah. You know, she, she will listening. always do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thanks for listening. I love you, uh, sister. Um, <laughs> did you know that Canadians still can't <laughs> come leave their country that aren't vaccinated? Did you know that? <laughs> they cannot Dude. leave Canada. Like, I would, it would make this? more sense did... if they don't want to let unvaccinated people in. But no, you are literally in ca Canadian jail. It's a did big you, jail, but you can't leave. Not for business, not for week, pleasure, not for nothing. Did you point out last week that Trudeau is saying that he's going to welcome all these American citizens who can't get an abortion into Canada to get an abortion? However, you have to have your shots if you're going to go get it first. <laughs> did you say that last week or did I? No. Uh -uh. Yeah, yeah. So, so Canada, so Trudeau is grandstanding about making, quote, healthcare available to American women who have it stripped of them. Like you've got to go all the way to Canada, another mm -hmm. idiot who's a world leader who apparently doesn't know the outcome, the actual ram ramifications of Dobbs, but set that aside. Canada is wide open. We're happy to provide your abortions, but we're going to make sure you have to have a vac. You have to be forcibly vaccinated before you come have your right to bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. So you have to give up a right to bodily autonomy to come get your right to bodily autonomy. The irony is really a right to kill some other bottle bodies autonomy. The irony is not lost on me. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Unbelievable. We say all the time. The left does not have to make sense. So it's literally built into their ideology. There's a, uh, did you see this uh, Florida mom that was sentenced to first degree murder of her toddler for, um, making it, it, it died at 18 months of age because she starved it to death on a vegan diet. She fed it fruits and raw veg vegetables. Sheila O'Leary is facing life in prison after a jury convicted her Wednesday of murder and a string of child abuse charges over the 2019 death of her toddler, Ezra O'Leary. Her little boy weighed 17 pounds, seven ounces below average when his parents noticed he'd stopped breathing. So, and I, I'm bringing this up because much like uh, gender dysphoria in, in the transgender movement we see today, I think we have this thing in, and it's not unique to America. It's certainly prevalent all across Western culture, but we label mental disorders with terms like transgender or veganism. Veganism is a made up first world mental disorder you can see that this lady's pride killed her kid because she didn't want to feed it pro animal protein and it killed him and i say all this to bring up going back to like what is a woman and when he goes to the uh masai mora and, and is interviewing the tribesmen have you ever talked to someone in the third world about a, a vegan no, but I'm sure that they are as confused about that as they are about. I had my PH thing. my tracker, what a vegan, what he thought about veganism. And he said he didn't, he never heard of such a thing. So he explained then, to him what it was though, right? Yeah. He explained to him what it was. And he was like, yeah, I don't, he's like, I, I, I it's so foreign. I don't understand. I don't understand. He just couldn't wrap his mind around it. 
so this dude he's like six three my tracker i should have fallow deer in the mountains and this is what the third world thinks thinks about animal protein shoot this fallow deer in the mountains about a mile and a half away from the truck there's no way to get the truck up there and we're like all right we're gonna gut this thing and uh his name was ken he's like no 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 i carry it out whole we're like what the thing weighed 250 pounds and he's like, I carry it whole. And I was like, Carl, what is, why, does he, why does he not want to gut it? He's like, no, nah, he wants the call fat. He wants the stomach lining. He wants to eat that later. <laughs> so he literally almost killed himself trying to get this axis deer ungutted to the truck so that he could keep the call fat. And, uh, and, he, and he did it. And then we got, we got back to camp and I, I asked him later how the call fat was. And it turns out also... Uh, dogs are not vegans because one of the camp dogs pulled it off the post where he had it drying and ate it all. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad for him. That's a bummer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these are first world things that we've made up in Western society. Like, yeah, for sure. And, and I'm just pointing it out because it's this, it's the same thing with transgenderism and well, to, absolutely dude. I mean, so much of leftism, it's hilarious because they, they, well, it's called the. Uh, we, we've talked about those those acad- those three uh, professors that made up all those fake uh, academic studies and got mm-hmm. them submitted to these grievance study, right? So one of the guys' name is James Lindsay, and I listen to his podcast now, uh, which I think I've touched on at, at least once in our shows. Uh, if you want to understand the philosophers and the philosophies behind all of what's happening right now. And the things that they've been writing since Marx in the 40, 1840s through Paolo Freire in the late 1900s to Herbert Marcuse to Kimberly Crenshaw to Blake Bell to all these guys, like he's the guy to go to. He will literally read to you. It's pretty dry a lot of the time. Uh, read to you their writings and you'll understand, oh, they, they did all this on purpose. His most recent episode I was listening to on the plane this week was uh, about the this uh, this. Uh, uh, drag queen story hour stuff. Mm-hmm. He read from a paper written in 1984 by a feminist leftist postmodernist progressive about how important it was to expose kids to teaching by drag queens. Hey, Chisholm, uh, real quick. But yeah. what is the uh, difference between a feminist and a hockey player? I don't know. A hockey player showers after three periods. <laughs> 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 anyway, I brought up Lindsay not only to suggest him to everybody. That's gross, dude. Uh, I can't even think of the name of his podcast. Um, but whatever, James Lindsay, just look him up. Uh, he has this thing he references in his show all the time called the Iron Law of Leftist Projection or the Iron Law of Woke Projection. They project on society the crap they're pulling, the stuff they're doing and their own actual beliefs and hangups, right? So they're the one, you know, they'll they'll say, oh, all you guys are racist. But they're the ones that are segregating dorm rooms, segregating graduations, segregating racial training in in, in cities and states, right? Um, So they're the ones that bitch and scream about privilege. But to your point, all of Marxist ideology and everything that has grown forth from it, from there to now this critical theory stuff, whether it's critical race theory or critical gender theory or critical queer theory or whatever, all of it is 
first world privileged BS because only in a hyper-privileged, obese, everything at your fingertips society do you have the free time to think about all the things that are wrong beyond just where are we going to eat? Where are we going to get food? Where are we going to get away from the ring? Right? right? Anywhere in the world where it's not a given that you can get some, you know, something that'll just make you more obese within a, you know, short walk, but nobody walks, they're going to drive. And, you know, or again, you know, my roof doesn't leak or, oh, where can I get out of 105 degrees Savannah heat, my air conditioned house, et cetera, et cetera, right? Only in Western civilization do people have so much privilege that they can make a ruckus and a fuss about these alleged slights. Only in the Western world of abundance can you have a situation where pot, where obesity is a marker of poverty somehow because we have that much abundance and now we have so many obese people impoverished or otherwise that we're being told it's okay to be fat all of that is a sign of a amazing privilege well and everything dude, that we've learned about big pharma over the last two years like i think the obesity thing is you know i think the cat's out of the bag on that if people are going to pay attention like they want you fat wake up Right. Good for them. It's good business. Fat people are good business. Absolutely. Chris Rock said freaking 20 years ago, there's no money in the cure. The money's in the medicine. Right. So being sick, um, you don't want to cure people. Huh. Look at Pfizer. They send a bunch of shots out. They, they make hundreds of billions of dollars making shots that they call vaccines that they then quickly have to admit were never intended to keep you from catching the virus in the first place. So guess what? Now we have a drug that we can give you after you've had three shots or even four shots in Anthony Fauci's case and still contract the virus that this alleged vaccine was supposed to stop. Don't worry about it. Now we'll give you something called Paxlovid, another emergency authorized drug this time, treatment drug versus gene therapy, quote, vaccine. Uh, and oh, by the way, you'll take it and you'll be better for four days and then the virus will come back and you'll be sicker than you were before. So you got to take more of that. Mm. It's brilliant business. It's brilliant business. Everything I just said is literally happening to Anthony Fauci as we speak. He's had four shots, still caught COVID, got a quote mild case of COVID, but took Paxlovid anyway. And had the rebound effect that they've been telling us about for like two or three months already, that you take Paxlovid, it makes you better for basically while you're on it, and then your virus comes back. He was testing negative while on it. As soon as he stopped taking it, he's positive again and has admitted he's sicker this go-around than he was three weeks ago when he first got sick. Well, couldn't happen to a nice And guy. Pfizer sold him all of those products, and this psychopath said he'll take another round of Paxlovid. That'll fix it. Just like your third and fourth shots fixed it. <laughs> it's almost like we knew it was going to happen. But you know what they say about yesterday's conspiracy theory? That's right. Um, today's good old conspiracy. You... The good thing is, remember they were calling it the uh, Pfizer-Mectin yeah. when it first came out? 
clearly it's not actually just ivermectin repackaged because it's not working and it's just right. making people get sick again. So they actually made up something, something that uh, somehow surprisingly makes you sicker than you were before you started taking it. I want to uh, play this and I, we don't have to get back into the whole pro-life thing, but just to, just to see where this lady's coming from, uh, because I still think, and I know that there are, um, have a bunch of family members and friends that are Democrats, but there's still a lot of wonderful people that just, or some, they're on, they're, they're in the middle. You know, there's the, the, um, we'll call them the mild Democrats and the mild Republicans, and they're a lot closer to each other than most people might think. There's still some Democrats out there who think abortion is uh, a terrible thing. And for AOC, AOC is not a fan. <laughs> that's not acceptable. Take a listen. The thing that a lot of people don't like to talk about is the fact that not every Democrat is pro-choice. Okay? So the ones that aren't, we really need to reassess if it's appropriate for them to continue to serve in 2022. Two things here that I think are hilarious, like the fact that she can't accept the fact that some Democrats don't like killing babies, number one. And number two, she used the, the term serve. Like, I just laughed out loud when I heard that. Like, what are politicians serving anyone but their own interests these days? <clears throat> Definitely not. Yeah, no. no, no she no. isn't. And, and most of the career politicians certainly aren't. I think some of them still go into politics with the idea of... Uh, you know, trying to make the world a better place. And they, they believe that they can have some influence to do just that. But then once you're sucked into that world, like, and you become a career politician, then you no longer are. You're beholden to, you know, who's ever lining your pockets. And, uh, and that's why I think, you know, term limits and for all of them, like that's the, if, if our founding fathers could have done something, and they did so many things great, but certainly we dropped the ball on that. Like to look at Pelosi. Seems like it. Yeah. Biden, um, uh, McConnell. I mean, and it's on both sides of the aisle. It's, 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 oh, yeah. It's disturbing. Yeah. To your point, even those who get in it with the John right Cornyn. intentions, anybody who gets into it, yeah, that's a good one, with the right intentions will either get corrupted by the money that gets thrown at them pretty quickly or they'll get uh, trapped in some kind of Epstein plot where somebody gets the goods on them um, so that they are then under their thumb or they'll just wash out because they can't handle it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She's, she's terrible. I love her idea. By all means, AOC uh, drive all the remaining reasonable liberals out of your party. You know, there was the, uh, Elon meme the other day of like there was that little six figure drawing of how he was like a liberal democrat right well he was like a left of center centrist right and then mm -hmm. so the left was a little closer to him and the right was farther away and then like the next slide it's like the left is now equidistant from mm -hmm. him still in the same place just left of center you know and then now the left is like at the edge literally at the edge of a cliff and suddenly he's right next to the right but he's still left of center, but he's a right wing uh, nut job, right? Right. By all means, purge your party of everybody with even reason modestly reasonable views on anything 
and see where that gets you. Please do so. Uh, it'll assure that you guys are the minority in perpetuity. I, I hope. I pray to God y'all can purge the Democratic ranks of everybody who says that reasonable restrictions on abortions are necessary and who's not down with stripping people of their right to keep and bear arms or their right to, you know, peacefully, you know, gather on a 50 yard line and say a prayer, you know, amongst or themselves. Or their right to give their own political opinion on social media. Right. All of these things drive them all out. Uh, I love it. Do it. Keep it up. On the other end of the spectrum, you're, you're literally doing the Lord's work. AOC. We in a weird, I think that we have younger Republican politicians who, much like Ron DeSantis, uh, no longer give a crap and they've taken the gloves off because I think the right has always been more respectful and like somebody will say something offhanded and they'll just dismiss it or have the class to say, well, that's your opinion. You know? Okay. Yep. No, we've got, uh, we have got Marjorie Taylor green <laughs> responding to and It's some woke British, um, reporter and here's this is a great exchange here because this is what i'm talking about as far as conservatives taking the gloves off and it's this and for me like applying it to my other my, my real job the hunting community for so long let the anti-hunters crap all over us and we just we didn't really respond and then we woke up 10 years later and our rights are being stripped away from us when we should have taken the fight to them so anyway here's here this is great and it's our job to defend the Second Amendment. Well, I understand that we don't have guns in the UK. That is true, but we don't have mass shootings either. Children aren't scared to go. To you school. have mass stabbings, lady. You have all kinds of murder, nothing and you've like got the laws same, against that. Like the same rates well, here. you can go back to your country and and worry about your no guns. That's very kind. We like not. ours here. Huh? Go back to your country. We like our we like our guns here. <laughs> Who was she arguing with? Oh, some British lady that was a like reporter. A, like a this reporter? was like okay. this was. Uh, in response to all the gun stuff, the, yeah. the stuff that they passed last week and everything. And Dude, anyway, I just so, like how she was like, screw you, man. This is our country. If you don't like it, leave. Do you remember when Piers Morgan was on CNN? Uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, ranting on and on about how terrible America was, even though he mm -hmm. lived here and, you know, specifically going after guns and he brought Shapiro on. This was when Shapiro was just becoming known. Right. And Shapiro pulls out a pocket version of the Constitution and starts saying, I'd like to, you know, I brought you a gift. I'd like you to take a look. And he's and uh, Morgan's like, don't wave your little book at me. And he was like, My, this little book is the United States Constitution. Really, I think you ought to read it if you're going to come to our country and, you know, tell us how we should be living. You know, we actually fought a revolution against your country and decided this was how we would govern ourselves. So my point is. He's not down with wokeism, peers, I mean. Not now. Um, right. Well, and there's a whole he's lot of reasons like for it. Bill Maher now, like they. Well, to your point, he, see, he seems to swing whichever direction the uh, people who are cutting his checks want him to, to an extent. Mm. But I did hear him on with uh, Megyn Kelly a little while back, um, being very reasonable. Like he, He's definitely a free speech guy. Um, you know, and so, you know, if you're for true free speech, we can at least that's a starting point. Right. Right. But when he, like the guy they were talking about gun stuff and he acknowledged, he's like, listen, I don't understand America's gun culture. It's not what I think is, you know, a good idea. But I have to admit it's in large part because it's not the culture that I was raised in. And I learned 
10 years ago to respect that and here it's a real big deal and Americans are very proud of their second amendment rights. So I don't speak on it anymore. And I was like, Hey, huh. you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was pretty good. Um, I got, I wrote down four things and I, we probably can't cover them all now, but there's a few things we should start talking about on uh, a little bit. Okay, I want you to go through those, but then I, I have one thing I want to wrap up uh, the show with one, one more clip from old Lawden County, which uh, hmm. we're very familiar with. So go ahead. Okay. So we need to start talking about central bank digital currencies and vouchers, the, what, I mean, your government issued voucher. Right. We need to talk a little bit more about that, pay a little bit more attention to that and the great reset economic collapse that's being engineered on our society. I know we've touched on both of these things, but, um, would that have a anything lot to of do the, with the liberal world order? Absolutely. Of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the culture war stuff that you and I focus on is designed by the global elites to uh, divide us, create chaos so that they can implement that new world order, the new, new world order, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we, I have friends that we text every day and they, two of them in particular, love to call all this other crap distractions. Everything vaccines, whether they work or not, all of it. They're like, oh, these are all just distractions from the financial collapse that's impending and the obliteration of Western middle class. And my argument is, no, they're not just a distraction. They're a necessary step to the Great Reset, but it's got the, it, but it's, it's both, right? They're, these things are a, both a distraction and a necessary wedge to drive between people so that we can't uh, what the left is really good about just throwing so many damn things at, at the right that we don't know what fight to fight. Right. Mm. Um, one thing that I do want to say real quick is, well, there, there's two things that we should talk about in addition to your thing on this episode because of the timeliness of them. Uh, Cassidy Hutchison and the incredible, deliberate, unashamed, unabashed. We started with this and we didn't get into her bold face lying of the January 6th commission that is going on. Like we, we got, we got off on a tangent, but what has happened in our society? We'll do that on you. That Sorry, al listeners. That allows <laughs> to just, that allows these people to just lie. We were talking about it with Ilhan Omar. So I didn't want to go off on a tangent at that time. On yeah, And then we never even wrapped it up with the fact that the Supreme court ruled that the guy is, is allowed to pray on the field. So put that little book right but didn't say anything about like forcing kids to pray with right them, right? right that's where the lie was same thing is going on right now on sunday evening this jan 6 sham commission this communist show trial that they're having announces that they just got new information after a year and a half of trying to lie and claim that donald trump organized the you know insurrection, rioting, whatever dumb name you want to call the people who went inside the Capitol. I like the All term you sudden, use, the, the walkabouters. The walkabouters, right? Because the truth is, dude, most of the ones who were breaking stuff have been have been proven to be either like Antifa left affiliated or damn FBI informants. Like, I'm sure there were some people who were just caught up in the fury of the moment, without question. But things were being antagonized mm. by planted adversaries right agent provocateurs and they were being told to calm the f down by the actual conservatives that were there because they were like 
the election is fishy. Anyway, and we don't want the leftists to take over, which they clearly have, and we're dealing with the ramifications of that now. So they announced that they've got this broad coming out of nowhere to drop bombs on the matter, brand new information, new shit has come to light, right? Big Lebowski. <laughs> got new information, man. That's right. And they roll this broad out on Tuesday. She was a staffer for Mark Meadows, who was a former, I think, House representative who became uh, Trump's chief of staff during like his last year in office. And um, I have to be honest, I may have caught something on my travels this week. I'm feeling a little funny all of a sudden. Uh, What's the new variant? Yeah, B1A2, R2D2, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that one. <clears throat> so they well, roll I'm this sorry, you're going to feel sick for three days and then you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. And she proceeds to <laughs> claim that she was told by, I think, a Secret Service agent that the driver of the presidential limo told him, who then told her, that Trump was demanding that instead of going back to the White House after his speech, that the driver drive him to the Capitol, and that the driver, who of course is Secret Secret Service, told him, no, sir, we can't. There are people armed here. And he said, they're not here to hurt me. And that he even reached for the driver's neck and the steering wheel and tried to force the vehicle to turn around. So what she was brought in to testify was hearsay on top of hearsay. Right. See, in court. How is that even permissible in court? It's not a court room. It's not a trial. It's a show trial with no adversarial cross-examination. That's been the, here's the thing, man. Their first episode of this little show, because that's what it is, was on primetime, 7 p.m. on like a Wednesday night about what, four weeks ago now. Nobody is watching it. Well, across all channels, and that was, you know, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Nobody cares. The first night, they did get supposedly 20 million viewers across all channels, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, decent overall eyeballs of course again they hijacked all three of the traditional news stations and all of the cable news stations except for fox right so they managed to get 20 million people to watch but after that they also had to put it on prime time right they also hired a hollywood executive to produce that s show after that nobody's watching and a large reason why any of the people who did give it a chance bailed is because they watched for five seconds and they were like oh this is a sham There's nobody asking critical questions. There's nobody challenging any of this. There's nobody asking questions about the walkabouters. There's nobody asking questions about Ray Epps, the FBI informant who was caught on video instigating the riot. There's nobody pointing out the fact that the FBI cleared Trump of any wrongdoing a year ago, right? None of that is happening. So this is stupid. It's a waste of my time. And to your point, now nobody's watching it. But some people watch the first Mm one. So fast forward a month later, and nobody's watching their garbage. Liz Cheney's about to lose her her uh, primary for the Republican, uh, you know, nomination for her House seat in Wyoming. Uh, she's getting her butts kicked so bad they refuse to televise the debate she had this week. Right? She won't even ask any hard questions. Her and that guy Kinzinger are rhino cucks from hell. Um, 
who clearly have an axe to grind and an agenda here. Anyway, so they're like, here, we'll, we'll roll this cute girl out named Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, and There's so many memes, it's, it's so many memes about this girl now. So to your point, it, it's not a trial. If it was a trial, Cassidy Hutchinson would never have been allowed to take the stand and tell the world something that she was told by somebody who was told something, right? It's not just direct hearsay. It's like double or triple layers of hearsay. Because the driver told this middleman, the middleman supposedly told her. In addition to that, so it wouldn't have been allowed. It I heard that the Secret Service was prepared to testify that that didn't happen. Immediately, bef- before the end of that day, the two members of the Secret Service who she named came forth immediately. These are men that now work for Joe Biden Yeah, and said, that's not true. And we're <laughs> ready to testify to say it's not true. It's complete nonsense. So it would have been barred as hearsay, double and triple hearsay. It's been immediately counteracted by the very people who actually supposedly said these things, who in any real setting, in fact, the January 6th committee knew these men's names and the Secret Service has even made an official declaration. Again, Biden's Secret Service has had to formally acknowledge that they weren't even contacted by the January 6th committee prior to putting this woman on the quote stand to make these claims. So not only are they not being asked to come testify the secret service wasn't ever asked about the matter to begin with they roll this broad out there she so clearly is reading from a script just go check it out like listen to it or watch her speak she's talking like this and then he said um something to the effect uh that uh trump said i don't you know what i'll be honest effort. with you i won't watch it because i don't care I don't she care. sounds I, pathetic she sounds to go faker. Away. She sounds 10 times faker than that broad that they rolled out to assassinate Kavanaugh's character who was wearing the Coke bottle glasses so Mm -hmm. you couldn't see her eyeballs. Uh, She sounds, you know, at least Amber Heard. It's funny. The immediate comparisons were Amber Heard, right? But at least as an actress, albeit a terrible one, Amber Heard was able to put some emotion into her testimony. This lady sounded like she had been brainwashed by the CIA and drugged and forced to go lie before Congress. Uh, because she just sounds like a robot, right? Like there, there's, it's unbelievable. Cause she's even saying things like as an American, I was appalled by the, what I, what I saw and the things that I heard the president and his staff saying, it's like, well, you sound like you were really shaken up by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also though, if you caught me pointing out that she, Megan Kelly played a clip this week where she says the term something to the effect in her <laughs> In her testimony of other people's hearsay, <laughs> she kept saying over and over and over and over again, like 30-something times throughout the day. And then Bob said something to the effect of, or as I recall, it was something like da 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 He essentially said blah, 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 blah. So she couldn't even come close to anything that could be, my point is, she had been coached to use vague BS, weaselly legalese that she could then defend herself from a perjury charge, which by God, if the Republicans win the House in November and hopefully the Senate, they better take her ass back on the stand. Anthony Fauci better be brought up for lying you know, to the Senate on and on and on. All of these people better be charged with lying to the United States government or all of this is just a big ass sham. All of it's a show. All of it's just entertainment. That's all the case anyway. But there is truly no justice that these lying SOBs are not pinned down for their lives. 
getting back to where we started. Real What's quick the on second? CERN, then you, then you can wrap it up. Yeah. Do you know what CERN is? C-E-R-N? No. Yeah. Do you know what the Large Hadron Collider is? Hadron so Collider. So CERN, CERN is a physics science organization of European nations. Mm. Top scientists from across Europe are part of the CERN. I don't remember what it stands for. Uh, but they are in charge of and operate the world's largest particle smasher, which is called the Large Hadron Collider, which sits on the border of Switzerland and France. It's a 13-mile circular loop of mag magnetic-powered tubes that send atomic particles at each other and smash them into each other to try to determine what's smaller than an atom, what's smaller than an electron, what's smarter than, smaller than a neutron and a proton, right? Ten years ago next week, CERN successfully proved the, what they, the existence of what they call the God particle or the Higgs boson. Higgs boson is the actual name of it because it was theorized by these guys, Higgs and boson. Uh, it's quantum physics stuff, right? So there was a theory under quantum physics that there must be something smaller than a neutron, proton, or an electron, right? That subatomic particles are have sub subatomic particles that make them up right mm. and it involves the idea of dark matter if you ever heard the phrase dark matter which is like antimatter right so there's like matter and then there's empty space but there's something called antimatter it gets into like how black holes are made and how the universe started from the big bang and how all of the matter in the entire universe supposedly was smaller than the head of a pin and it exploded and all that crap right um no less than Stephen Hawking, the greatest physicist of the last several generations who died a few years ago. Yeah. That's the, wheel, the wheelchair guy, right? I'm aware uh, of who he is. Yeah. He warned that operating this large Hadron Collider could destroy the Earth and our solar system and possibly even our galaxy by creating a black hole because of the amount of energy that they could unleash by smashing these particles together. Uh, I guess since he's dead now, they're no longer heeding his, his, his wise advice because after three years of it being shut down for technical problems, they're cranking it up on Tuesday, uh, July 5th, the day after independence day. And they'll be running it at the highest energy level they've ever run it at, which is believed it will be the highest energy output in the history of our planet that we're at least aware of. So the largest collision of these subatomic particles of all time with the largest amount of harnessed energy causing it. Uh, so if we're not on the air with y'all or not recording <laughs> come next Wednesday, it might be because we've all been sucked into a black hole. On top of all that, back in 2009. What would that look like? Like, would we still, would the earth just be sucked into the black hole or would there all the just be just be particles everything just be particles Dude, again we, we we don't we have no clue um along with proving of the higgs boson you know quantum physics also <laughs> Who theorizes gives the right to risk the, the, the entire world i haven't even <laughs> i'm telling you just, i'm thinking just, like uh, the united states government on. should just nuke the thing hold on to your butts oh they almost built one here in texas we don't have one of these this big they almost built one in here in texas apparently in kentucky they're doing a whole different thing that is deliberately intended to uh, create a portal to a parallel dimension. All of this involves the idea of multiverse theory, right? Quantum physics at its core 
you know, asserts that there are parallel mirror and alternate dimensions, right? Which I listened to a very interesting podcast that is so far out there, I won't even let y'all know what it's called. <laughs> but this guy points out that the Bible has like, like I think he pointed to eight different passages. I tried to listen across- to the Joe Rogan one you recommended and I listened to 45 minutes of it and just like had to check out with the guy. I told you it was dense. Yeah. You, you probably bailed right before the parts I wanted to talk about. Uh, but that's okay. The this guy points out that like in eight different passages across four or five different books, God mentions and Jesus specifically mentions God having created the multitude of worlds. So he's pointing out these physicists who are now theorizing parallel universes and multiverses. God told us from day one those existed. Which kind of goes to my theory that science just keeps proving the existence of God and all the things in the Bible. If you read the Bible the right way, the way I think you should read it, I shouldn't say the right way, the way I read it. But anyway, um, in 2009, this Italian dude who's in charge of CERN and therefore the Large Hadron Collider actually said, quote, something, well, mostly quoting, that they anticipate that, that the you know, that the smashing of these particles will open up a portal to a mirror or parallel dimension. Huh. So if you don't want to freak out, don't read Revelation, which pretty much talks about a portal to something like a parallel dimension, parallel existence, bringing dark forces into our world. So that's what the large... I think we've already got all, all the about. dark forces we need in this world. Well, and keep in mind, they've been doing this particle smashing for over a decade now and how much chaos has been unleashed on our planet and how many dark force demons seem to have suddenly come and grabbed all of society in the last say 10 to 15 years. Right. Do you think every one of our listeners are just like, what in the F is he talking about? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But I, then I hope they look it up and realize I'm not making this shit up. Uh, this is all, this is like, this is exactly what CERN is. It's exactly what the large Hadron Collider is. It's exactly what these quantum physicists says it can do. It's also worth noting that India back in, I think it was 2014 gifted to CERN, a statue of the goddess Shiva from Mm -hmm. Hinduism. So outside of one of the, there's a whole bunch of buildings because like I mentioned, it's a 13 mile loop of magnets, right? So there's a whole bunch of buildings that make up the Large Hadron Collider facility. So outside one of the buildings of the Large Hadron Collider near the main building is the statue of the goddess Shiva who is uh, nicknamed the destroyer of worlds. Now she happens to be the creator. She happens to be the creator and the destroyer of worlds. Uh, and the dance that she does is the cosmic dance of chaos and order. She does this. She's got this little pose like this, right? So she's both the creator and the destroyer. Um, cause of course she is right. That, that's the balance of that's the, that's the cosmic balance of, of light and darkness and all that stuff. Right. She's standing on some dude's head in a one-legged, like, like yoga pose. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, she may be both. They they may they may be harnessing her power <laughs> to both create and destroy uh, the world. Uh, so at, they, at, they think at CERN. It's also worth noting, apparently, that the ancient Romans had a name for this particular place, the specific spot where this is. Um, I don't remember what the what the Latin word for it was, 
but it was essentially the Romans believed that it was a gateway to Hades, the Roman underworld. So hmm. everything else I was saying, all right, CERN, is straight, some, is straight from the CERN scientists, something the collider, look up collider, Switzerland, large, Sweden, large hate research it. I'm not going to do it, but Chisholm just told me about it. So I believe what he said. He's obviously done the research. So that's why we're friends. Thanks for doing yeah. the research on that, by the way. Appreciate it. Doing the legwork there. Uh, all right. Shiva. I'm going to bring Raph. it back to Lawton County. To your question about what happens if they do like destroy our universe, it's entirely possible we just slip into like a tangential dimension and we don't even know it, but shit just gets crazy. Well, I'm just going to go to heaven instead. <laughs> okay. Good call. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Last thing for today, and uh, Lawton County, you know, that's the place where the dad got all fired up at the school board meeting because they let a boy sexually assault two girls Well, at one school, and then they moved him to another school, and he, you know, this is a boy who was identifying as a girl, going to the bathroom in the girl's bathroom, sexually assaulted. We talked about this on an episode in detail. You said, hey, this might all be staged anyway. But they're yeah. back. But what it wasn't not staged is the filth that the uh, LCPS, that's the Lawton County Public School System, right. what they were putting in their library. So the superintendent, this guy named Scott Ziegler, who, by the way, currently being sued for promoting secret gender transitions and distri distributing pornographic books. Uh, this is what he said yesterday regarding the upcoming school year. Gosh, this is damning. Or some content addressing where we are in that process. Uh, something brief. Uh, Dr. Ziegler, would you be interested in providing that to the community and back to school? Uh, everything that Mr. Mahebdi mentioned is part of the rollout plan. So we have a, a pretty robust indoctrination plan uh, ready to go. Enculturation plan for this ready to go. as we. <laughs> he just said we have a pretty robust indoctrination plan ready to go. For the upcoming school year, I like how he checked stuff himself, up, dude. Changed it to inculturation because that's oh, that made it better. Yeah, inculturation way better than indoctrination. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know the context? Because I saw where you posted that on our Instagram page, and I just like all I hear is the word yes. indoctrination, so which sounds the, terrible. The guy was asking him, "What are they planning for the next school year? Do, do they have their?" curriculum in place essentially but anything yeah. specific about like any well, did they list the agenda that they were indoctrinating no they didn't go into sure, detail somewhere on no. yeah um but hey he said it out loud maybe that was a freudian slip i don't know it's but, real bro like it's it's definitely undeniably I can't real. that guy still has a job after everything and that the fact that he's currently being sued for those things that i mentioned previously uh Walden county though you got some problems up there in McKinney too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, but I don't want to get into that because I'm gonna. Um, I can't go to the next board meeting because I'm gonna be. Um, I'm gonna be in Mexico, I think, with Aaron for her 40th. But I, I'm gonna do some more research on that. And the guy who they're trying to kick off of the school board, uh, I'm gonna try to get him on the show. So, we'll, see, I guess they're trying to kick him off because he's uh, a hell raising conservative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ibram X Kendi and those type of books being in our public school libraries. He's, he's fighting that stuff. Um, so, Oh, and there's a transgender book in there and everything. 
uh, also. But yeah, we'll get. I, I want to save the McKinney thing because I want to do a little more research on that. I I just was hit with that information from my other brother Jansen. By the way, he's the one that sent me the links to this. He's like, "Do you know what's going on in your own backyard?" And I'm like, "Dude, nobody is talking about that in McKinney." But my goal now is to make sure everyone is talking about it. Uh, um, I've got a neighbor down the street and Mickey who will take that fight on. Oh, he's not going to be happy about that. I sent him the stuff and he's like, yeah, we got to do something. So awesome. More on that in a future episode um, for Chisholm cook. I'm cable Smith. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 84 of justified pursuits. Happy independence day. And we will see you next week. Beware of the wrath of Shiva. Sounds like a slut. You should see the dance. Saturday Satan. Sunday Saint. Fooling your neighbors. That's what you think. Reading the good book. Singing the hymn. Come Monday morning and it's back to a life of sin.